Welcome to this week's edition of the Catholic Duluth Show. My name is Daniel Rota. I will be your host. Uh, welcome to this week's episode with me. I have uh, Father Ryan Moravitz. Like always, how are you doing today, Father? Daniel, Daniel, Daniel. I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing I'm doing very good. Good. Other than the blistering cold. It is cold. I was just, we had a, we had a beautiful funeral at uh, Holy Family this morning and um, went up to Calvary Cemetery and those of you that know me better, this is just kind of classic me. Of course, I didn't have gloves or a hat. Um, I did have a jacket on. So well, that's good. That's good, right? So yeah. it was, somebody said it was 15 below wind chill, which it definitely was. Um, so the, you know, we didn't, I didn't rush the prayers at the grave, but, um, you know, I didn't, I didn't dilly dally either th- today. And, it, yeah. and, you know, some of the family members, you know, some of, uh, this individual's brothers are kind of gave me the look like, yep, we can we can get this done, Father, because they were <laughs> obviously cold too. I got back into the car, and uh, it was one of those things where the tips of my fingers started to like they were numb and really hurting, and yeah. then my you know where your ears start to burn a little bit, and you go, oh oh, <laughs> could I have a little frostbite? I don't think I do. I think I'm alright. My ears are like really warm right now, which is usually what happens if you get frostbite. They get they actually hurt like they get hot. Yeah. But I think I'm okay. They're not white, and they don't have that like elasticy feel to them. I've had frostbite before. Um, so yeah, so it is. It's, it's cold out. You know, it was windy at Calvary Cemetery. So, but it didn't stop me from pulling the car over and taking a walk through the snow and up to Bishop Serba's grave as well, and saying a prayer there and having a little word with with him. Um, so it was a, it was a good morning this morning. But yeah, it's cold out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and um, I guess maybe. You want to talk a little bit about uh, the funeral on Friday? Yeah, I could talk about that a little bit. Good. Um, a lot of people, I know you, you watched it on uh, WDIO. There, some of you were able to get there early enough to be able to be in there or be in the overflow at the at the school. It was it was. There's just a lot of good graces when we do the funeral right, in its fullness, and allow all those things to happen. So you know, we had a. And for Bishop, we needed a long vigil. So lots of people came through Thursday night and Friday morning. Um, the handmaids, all of the handmaids are up from New Ulm, and the seminarians were up as well. So the handmaids and the—this is something people probably don't know—the handmaids and the seminarians kept vigil all through the night with Bishop's body in the cathedral. So a lot of times when you have a vigil in a, in a church, sometimes you leave the body in the church overnight— so they, uh, he laid in state all through the night, and there were two or three handmaids or seminarians um, there praying. Uh, so they did, you know, the hour rotations, and they prayed the rosary at the top of every hour, um, which I just thought was a really good thing. Um, yeah. The seminarians really appreciated it, and I know the handmaids loved it. Uh, one of the most beautiful things on Thursday night was, it was funny that we were just, it was getting to be about 7 o'clock, and 7 o'clock we were going to do the vigil prayer. So evening prayer and then some prayers, and Bishop Christensen, Bishop Christensen gave a homily. So we're sitting there, and I'm in about the third pew, uh, and right on the aisle, and they dim the lights. And I'm like, why are they, you know, of course you go like, why are they dimming the lights? Like, how, how are people going to, like, see their programs, you know? And I wasn't too worried because I got good eyes, but I was like, oh, boy, people are going to be upset about this because I know how people get, you know? So I was like, I wonder why they're doing that. So we're sitting there, and it starts to, you can tell everybody gets really, you know, got really quiet. And suddenly on my left, I see one of the handmaids walk by with a candle. And I thought, oh, nice. One of those handmaids is going to go put a candle by there. Well, then another handmaid, another handmaid. Well, all of them 
came up with candles in hand, and they knelt around um, Bishop in his casket, and they sang um, this beautiful song in Psalm 23 um, that was written by, by somebody um, actually at the time that Bishop was ordained, and the handmaids took it and sang it at his ordination. And then they were given by this artist sort of this song to say, no, it's yours now. I'm not going to publish it from my understanding. And so it's kind of in the handmade song now, and they've sung it on numerous occasions with Bishop Serba. And so they knelt around him. Sister Mary Joseph played the guitar lightly, and they sang it. It's actually floating around Facebook and social media right now because somebody had recorded it, and so it's on SoundCloud. Okay, wow. Um, and so I know a lot of people have listened to it. So anyways, that was one of the most, that was for me the, that was the biggest cry I had in the two days. I had some private cries that were really good last week, um, just just by myself. <laughs> um, but that was, you know, Father Steve Flam was sitting next to me and Father Tim Lang next to him, and I, I know all three of us were weeping beautiful tears, both of, of sadness but also beauty. Yeah. Like beauty can move the heart, and it was so beautiful to see the handmaids show what I would call as a great gesture of love and reverence and honor for a, a good shepherd and a good man that they loved and that we all loved. So that was very moving. And then the funeral was, was really great. You know, I was asked to MC, so it was a master ceremony, so it was like a glorified altar boy. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I, my job was to take care of Archbishop Hebda, and I've known him for about 15 years, and he's, he's a good friend. And it was just his, his leadership and his guidance, even through the funeral, and his just he's so pastoral. It was just good to be around him, and he's just so good. So that was good for me, personally, I think, and I was able to sort of stay focused on the job at hand, too, which was good and bad, I think, on some levels. But the last thing I'll share about the funeral is just that at the end, and I held it together um, just through the whole thing, which I needed to because I was directing the seminarians, too, because that's the other thing I'm very familiar with, the seminarians, so had three or four of them directly working with me to just take care of the book and everything else. So uh, we get to the end, and, you know, we do the incense and everything, and then uh, the dismissal's given, and we begin the procession. So Archbishop went to the altar, kissed the altar. I stood off to the side so we could get by. And Archbishop started crying. And I was like, oh. So I'm just making sure he's okay and trying to hold it together, too, to figure out well, if he needs another handkerchief. He went to his pocket three times. <laughs> I hope he doesn't hear this, but I don't think he'd mind me sharing because it was really beautiful. But he went to his pocket three times for his hanky to wipe his eyes, you know, and then he put it away, and he kept crying, and he had to go back for it. And so it was, you know, he was very close with, with Bishop Serba, and he's got such a pastoral heart. Um. So I'm just making sure he's okay. Well, then I glance kind of to my left, and I see Father Joe Serba, and, you know, he's very much crying. And if you know Joe, Joe's such a good man. He's kind of that tough uh, uh, tough guy, too. And I don't know if that's even the right word, but it was just beautiful to see that, you know, he really loved his brother. And then and then my, my looked across as the guys were starting to move out of the sanctuary, look, just having to look up, and there's my brother. My brother's a big crybaby. He cries at the drop of a hat. <laughs> I mean, my sister sent a picture of one of the nieces or nephews, and he bawls, you know, like we get a text message. So he's, he's visibly, you know, kind of weeping as he's leaving the sanctuary and processing out. And that's when I kind of just let go and was able to just kind of let it sink in a little bit in the midst of the, the funeral mass itself. And 
shed a couple tears and and then and then make our way out and uh it was just a beautiful mass so many people came and so many priests from both the archdiocese and around the, the area but also our diocese and for those of you that were able to see it on WDIO and it's online, you know, it's something worth watching. Yeah, it was, I mean, it was, I, I just watched it and it was, it was great. It was great to watch. Yeah, really, really beautiful. And you know, it, the church is so good to us, you guys. The church gives us what we need. So we don't, it's amazing if we just receive what the church gives us in our grieving. So the church giving us vigil prayers and those kind of prayers, prayers over the, a body. The church giving us the funeral rite and just allowing the funeral rite to be what it is and just letting it letting it minister to us, right? Rather than trying to do something else or trying to, like, thinking we have to do something. Like, no, the liturgy and what the church gives us is actually meant for us to be able to grieve and actually is, uh, allows us and moves us to cry because of beauty, of goodness, of sadness, and of mourning. It just does all those things if we let it if it, we let it feed us. And when you this was my experience this week again and I've experienced this a number of times when we let it do that, we actually get through the grieving and then it, there is a sense of like okay, good to go. Like I'm, you know, I missed the guy. <laughs> but it it just allowed us to do it right to really give a send-off to also acknowledge we're sad about this and not ignore mm-hmm. that. And then also to celebrate it as well, and then to pray for him and for ourselves. Uh, it's just such a great gift. So, yeah, as usual, that's probably more than you you wanted. <laughs> you didn't realize. Well, you probably realized how long I would talk going into it, but we should probably pray. <laughs> good intro. Good nine-minute intro. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, beautiful though. Beautiful though. Yeah. Do you want to uh, open us yeah. in a prayer? <laughs> Let's pray. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Father God, in this Advent season, we come before you knowing that you seek us out and you desire to, to save us and to draw us to yourself. Lord, in that you sent your only son uh, to, become, to become man, to take on flesh and to enter into the reality of our situation in all things but sin, all the way to the point of a uh, suffering death. Lord, we thank you for coming and, and saving us. We thank you for your desire to save us and your great love for us. Lord, in your mercy, pour forth your Holy Spirit upon us in this Advent season that we may be prepared for your coming. We may be prepared to, to be found by you and to find you, especially on the last day. Allow us to, to in this Advent season, too, Prepare ourselves well as, a, well as a community to celebrate the Christmas season and the, the great Christmas mystery of your birth. Mother Mary, you who carried the incarnate word, Jesus Christ, in your womb, you who are the, the first tabernacle of Jesus Christ, we thank you for your yes, your fiat, and we ask for your intercession and your prayers upon us as a parish community of St. Lawrence and Holy Family. And that you would you would bring forth an abundance in this Advent and Christmas season, um, in our hearts and in our souls. Mother Mary, intercede for us. Great. Well, thank you for that prayer, Father Ryan. Um, and before we uh, kind of jump into um, our topic for this week, uh, what is uh, going on? In uh, with our parish cluster this week. Yeah, so this is, uh, hopefully I don't talk for 10 minutes on this either, because <laughs> I think I could. You know, th- um, this coming Sunday, we have our second of two penance services with individual confessions. 
Um, we had about 20 people this past Sunday. Um, and, you know, as pastor, I'll, I'll be really honest that I was disappointed in that. Um, and, you know, so you start to question, like, well, what are we doing wrong? Or what, do, what can we do to help people, you know, come to the sacrament and to sort of cultivate the, the, the Catholic culture that comes with, with confession, you know? And, you know, and you wonder, because, you know, a lot of times I do hear people say, well, I don't need to go to confession. I don't think I need to confess my sins. And it's like, Really? Like, is that just a decision that you've made? And, you know, so it's kind of that challenge of, like, how much do you push people and how how do you help people come to understand that the beautiful thing that the church gives us, that Christ gives us in the church, is that we walk in this together. We're not made, and, you know, for me, I get fired up because it's like, show me in the Gospels or in the Scriptures where it says you don't have, you don't need anybody else, you don't have to do anything else, just you and God. And so, like, that's the challenge there, like, where you want to be sensitive to, like, people's, like, understanding of that, but at the same time, like, how do I challenge that as a pastor and say, hey, show me where in the Bible Jesus says, you know what, you don't, you don't need anybody else, you don't need the church, you don't need any, anybody, you can just do this on your own. That's not, that is not, that has not been in Christian tradition, that is not in the Gospels, it, it's, it's just not true. Jesus sets it up so there's a ministry of forgiveness. You know, he tells the, he, he breathes the Holy Spirit upon the apostles, right? And he says, as the Father sent me, so I send you. This is the end of the Gospel of John, right? As the, as the Father sent me, so I send you. And he breathes on them, right? For the forgiveness of sins. And he breathes the Holy Spirit on them and he says, whose sins you forgive are forgiven. Whose sins you don't forgive aren't forgiven. Like he gives them this authority, in that alone speaks of our need for the ministry of forgiveness to be to be given to us so it's it's kind of one of those things like as an uh, and i'm going to say it, it particularly a lot of times in our american culture we're just like nope i'm an individual it, we you know we live in such an individualistic individualistic society where i don't i don't need somebody else i can just go to god myself it it it, it it, that's not a Christian mindset. It's not a mindset of Jesus. And it, what it does, and this is the thing, is I'm gonna, I get, I can get fired up here. Right? <laughs> is you guys, because I've, I've, I've thought along these lines too, and even tried it at different points in my life. It isolates you. It causes you to be alone in your struggle. It causes you to be alone in your, your wrongdoing and your sin, in your weakness in your brokenness. Christ does not want you to be alone. He doesn't want you to be alone in his mercy for you. He does not want you to be alone in your struggle with sin. Whatever that sin is, and however grave you think it is, or however grave it really is, and however much it's, it's beating you up, what the evil one wants, okay, we're, we're having a heart-to-heart here, hey? Wasn't expecting this, but this is... is what the evil one wants is for us to be alone, the evil one wants to say, you don't need anybody else in on your sin, right? You don't need anybody else praying over you. You don't need anybody else to, like, encourage you or call you out. You don't need anybody else to be with you in this. You just stay alone in your sinfulness, and you just you and God work it out. That is not the way that Jesus sets it up. Think of it, where two or three are gathered, there I am in their presence. He doesn't say just, just do this on your own. 
you come together and do this. And if we, if we, if you do a study of Christian history, right? That's the way it is until suddenly the Reformation happens at fifteen hundred years into it, and then Americanism happens. You know, when when America is kind of founded and we kind of start this our own little thing, and American Protestantism, it, it it's just not the way. So I say that because yeah, to try to encourage you know, and and it it was it saddens my heart that people don't come to that beautiful sacrament, and and part of it is because. They don't think they need it, and I just want to challenge that. Are you sure? And if you haven't really been catechized or really studied it, like, look into that again. And, you know, here, so here's, here's maybe my last note, because I want to encourage you to come this Sunday, and I'm not, you know, get fired up to say go. I, I don't get this way necessarily in the confessional. It's, it's a beautiful gift, and so we're going to be having that at St. Lawrence on Sunday. We'll have a few different priests here. I'm going to share on Sunday in my homily my experiences in the confessional, and not as a priest, as a penitent. Some of the, the priests that I have gone to confession to, and, you know, I'm going to share a couple stories that, yeah, priest wasn't always the most pastoral. <laughs> that happens sometimes. Sometimes you run into Father, and he's having a bad day, or he's irritated at something else, and whatever, you know, he's annoyed, or he's... He's just in a bad place in his vocation, and he's grumpy, you know? I get it. <laughs> I get it even more now that I'm a priest. But, um, and sometimes he's, yeah, he's just mean. I mean, that's, and it's sad. It's really sad, but it can't keep us from the grace of it. And I'm also going to share some stories of some wonderful priests who I've been to confession to throughout the years who were so wonderful and good and helped me to, to learn what it means to be a good confessor as well. And so to have the right disposition when I'm sitting as Christ in the confessional to offer you forgiveness. And so my homily this Sunday is, you know, right now it's, it's, it's leaning up to be just sharing some stories about my experience in confession um, on, the, on the end of the being a penitent and some of my experiences of how priests have ministered to me this great sacrament um, in my life. And uh, some really beautiful ones. And some tougher ones, you know. And so, uh, yeah, that's that's what's coming up this Sunday. Just want to encourage you to take that step. And even if it's been a long time, we'll walk you through it. It's it's really not that difficult. It really isn't, you guys. And uh, also know that the priest is proud and feels fulfilled actually when people come in and make really good confessions. You know, people think, "Well, I'm gonna father's gonna be disappointed." Sometimes they think that, or father's gonna be upset. No, no, no. You don't realize what it does to our vocation to be able to truly be there and to, to know that we're actually being used and utilized in our vocation. Because when you sit in the confessional alone, you, you do. You kind of think, well, they don't really need me, I guess, or they don't think they do, or they don't think they need the priest. And it's not even me necessarily. But, it, you know, we, we get to live our vocation out every time somebody walks into the confessional. So don't think that we're bummed when you walk into the confessional and you give a good confession. We... We actually are then able to do what we're giving our whole life over to do. It's one of the, the most important things we do. So I just talked for 10 minutes, didn't I, Dan? <laughs> hey, so, hey, we got, let's go to the final third and the main topic <laughs> of the day. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, but that, that's great, though. Yeah, and just, um, yeah, a good, a good challenge for everyone. Confession. Confession. Um, I'm, I, you know, sometimes it's like being a coach. Sometimes you got to, you got to, you know, Mike Zimmer it a little bit, and then sometimes you got to maybe more Phil Jackson it, or you got <laughs> those of you that are sports fans, you get some of those, you know. 
Uh, sometimes you got to be like Tom Kelly and kind of sit back and, you know, let them figure it out. That's how I always saw Tom Kelly as a manager. But anyways, yeah. Great. Um, <laughs> all right. So kind of the, the, the main topic, the final third of this episode, um, we're going to, we're just going to talk kind of about, all right, it's, a, it's the second week of, ac- of Advent right now. Um, kind of preparing for, um, preparing for Christmas, uh, you know, getting ready for, um, you know, preparing our hearts, um, for the coming of Christ. Right. Um, I think, I think especially in today's kind of culture, Christmas has been so like secularized. So just how do we, how do we kind of keep the reason for the season? How do we, how do we try to fight the secularization of christmas without without like taking away some of the fun of it because it is fun yeah i i think you know it is fun right and it is a joyful thing one of the things is is like let's not make it christmas until it's christmas you know uh we you know it is we're 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 really impatient people, aren't we? Like, we want everything <laughs> right now. Like, we want it to be Christmas now before it's even Christmas, you know? And so, um, yeah, one of the great things to do in Advent is to make sure you don't make a Christmas until it's Christmas. Um, sometimes that does mean, you know, and, and, and I'm guilty of this, you know, you, we, all of our Christmas parties are before it's Christmas season. You know, we were just kind of talking about that as a staff. When are we going to have our Christmas party? And we did kind of want to wait until it was Christmas season, but just calendars, of course, don't work, you know, and it's so close to New Year's and yada, yada, yada. So we know that. So we are having it this Saturday night. <laughs> so, I mean, I'm definitely, you know, on some levels breaking that rule, but it is that, like, stepping back and even in our hearts, not letting it be Christmas until it's Christmas, that let my, my let my heart be in an Advent state of mind, if you will. Um to, to purposely allow myself the anticipation and the waiting to really celebrate it. Sometimes that's in a very practical ways in how we decorate our homes, for instance. Sometimes it's how we're praying. Sometimes it's in the music we're listening to right now. You know, to hold off. Hold off on the Christmas music for right now. You know, play some of the more Advent music. Oh, Come, O Come, Emmanuel is an Advent song, you know? Yeah. Um, so there's some really good songs you'll see us listening to in church. Or singing in church. Even look in the missal when you come to church. Look in the missal. There's a section where it's Advent songs. And look at, like, what are the Advent songs? And then there's a Christmas section. What are the Christmas ones? And it might be like, okay, that's what I'm going to put on my playlist right now. Because it, it it allows the heart to anticipate and be in this place of anticipation. It does something. It's good to have that part, the, the waiting part in our soul. We need that just as much as we need the celebration part. And it makes the celebration part even bigger, you know. Um, I, you know, yeah. I mean, I could get into a whole bunch of practical things, but what what else? What else do you think, Dan? Yeah. Well, I mean, I I, I guess I would like I want to echo that kind of anticip- anticipation part. I was you know thinking back when I was a kid, you know, and you're you're excited for like the Christmas to come to open the presents and like all that stuff, and it's like a lot of the times is the anticipation that makes it that kind of makes it good. Yeah. Makes it really good. Deacon John preached on that yeah, this weekend yeah, yeah, a little yeah, bit, like yep. how much he loved that. And I got to think back, like I loved the the energy and the build up to Christmas that we really yeah. did do, you know, because we did the we did the little sticker thing on the advent calendar, you know. So mm-hmm. we had these like little Velcro things, and every day one of us got to fill in the next, 
you know, calendar spot. And it built this anticipation to Christmas, you know? Yeah. And so I, I think maybe, like, the, the key is, like, keeping it about Christ. Right. Right. With, with the anticipation, like, yeah, it's, it's good to be excited for, uh, to see family. Yeah. It's good to be excited for maybe a break off from, <laughs> yep. from work or school. And like, it, it's good for those just kind of very, you know, practical things. Um, but, but to have, but to bring like, to keep it about Christ and to remember like the reason for the break, yep. you know, the reason, the reason for all of it is, um, to celebrate Christ's coming. Yep. Right. And so, so yeah, m- maybe, uh, what are some kind of traditional things that we do that we can put a little twist on to kind of keep it about Christ. Well, and I, I think it is, I think all the little things that we do, we, we can get just kind of comfortable and they almost seem secular, but they're actually religious. Yeah. Yeah. And so it is a, is it a mindset of reminding ourselves of that? This is about waiting for, for Jesus. And so, you know, it might be looking up an Advent prayer or even just praying a Hail Mary and Our Father when you're lighting that next candle on your Advent wreath at home. And if you don't have an Advent wreath at home, like add the Advent wreath to what you're doing at home right now. Okay, so it's the middle of the second week. Go buy one right now if you don't have one. Go make one. All you need is like four candles or whatever just to do that. And to be able to do that in the home and have that as, as, a, as a visible reference um, is really, really good. Uh, I I think that that's a that's a practical thing, yeah. you know. And um, but also keeping co- sort of in the nature of what the church gives us in the Advent season is is this dynamic of it's not Christmas yet. We're intentionally in Advent. So for me, and this is, it's not like, yeah, it it it's a it's an element of still the anticipation. So how we're decorating our homes. So it's, some of you saw on Facebook that I. had you know, I have an Advent tree. This is something my mom and my sisters, I don't know if they invented it or what, because there's other little forms of it, but they kind of uniquely did it. So there's an Advent wreath on top of the tree, not with real candles, um, <laughs> just to light up ones. And then, you know, it's all purple right now. And this weekend, I'll actually add the rose-colored um, ornaments to it. And so it's intentionally like, well, I'm decorating my house because I believe that Christ is coming. And I'm preparing my heart to do that, and so I'm preparing my home to remind me of that, that it would remind me of that. Um, and so, for instance, you know, if you were to do something like that and not do the Christmas tree per se yet, but you were to do something along those lines, it might mean reading that Sunday gospel as you add those ornaments to the tree um, during the Advent season, or as you light the next candle. Read the gospel, say an Advent prayer, do something along those lines. It might mean that when it does come time to, you know, bring out the the Christmas presents and put them under the tree, and maybe you don't do that until you're we're getting closer, to sit down and read the story of of the wise men or to read a story about Saint Nicholas. You know, there's a beautiful story about how Saint Nicholas threw gold uh, coins into this family's home that needed it. Um, it, it, you know, and he did it secretly at night. You know, and like. Another reason that we we do some of the things we do, you know, is because of the example that other Christians have done. Um, so I think it's incorporating some of those things into our homes and allowing, you know, on the nativity scene too. When you set up the nativity scene, obviously, like adding to it gradually, but the whole idea of the anticipation of the coming of Christ 
incorporate scripture into your Advent. You know, it's in our daily readings, but just look. The Gospel of Luke has all sorts of stuff at the beginning of the Gospel, you know, concerning the Christmas season. It's something to reflect on. So when you do these little things at home, even if you're by yourself. So if you live at home alone like me, even if you're doing that on your own and you're putting out your nativity scene, stop and sit in front of your nativity scene and, and open up the Bible and read read the beginning of one of the Gospels. That's a way to keep Christ in Christmas, to not just decorate, but to allow decorating, for instance, to be prayerful. Or maybe you set up the nativity scene or your, your tree and then sit and pray a rosary in front of it. Whether that's as a family or by yourself, pray the joyful mysteries together. Um, you know, those are those are beautiful, beautiful things to do to, to be able to really remember that I'm decorating right now because I believe in the Savior and that he's going to come and has come. Um, so those are just a few practical things, I guess, I'll, you know, that I would that I would share and, and think of. You know, there's lots of good stuff out there. I think here's the other thing is it's kind of on a final note here too because I know we're reaching our time. And I got to do this as well, obviously. Just slow down, you guys. Like one of the greatest ways to prepare, really, the greatest way, and some of these things can help us do that, is you guys, it's okay to slow down. Give yourself that. You know, if you need to hear somebody say it, I give you permission to slow down. Slow down with your kids, slow down with your spouse, slow down by yourself. Slow down and, and let yourself listen. That might mean some quiet at night when everybody's gone to bed. Maybe sit in the dark with the with the lights on the tree and just sit in the silence. Maybe that means, you know, swinging by the church and just coming in and and sitting here for a while and just letting yourself be quiet. Um, or in the morning, or whenever. Maybe it's turning the radio off in the car or turning the podcast off right now and just letting yourself be quiet and slow down. Slow down. Uh, a great way to keep it focused because the busyness doesn't keep it focused, you know. Um, and you guys all know just by my energy, even in today's show, that, yeah, I get that way. But I know in the last 10 days, I've had very distinct reasons to slow down. And it's a good time in the Advent season uh, to give ourselves that permission and that opportunity. So, yeah. Yeah, that's great. A good, a good reminder to, yeah, slow down, breathe a little. Breathe a little. And, uh, yeah, just... Get ready for, you know, let let Jesus enter into your heart. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, that will be it for this week's episode. I hope you have a great week, and we'll see you next week. May God bless you, and may Jesus Christ be praised.